thanks for signing up for the public beta podcast. It is Saturday afternoon, August 7th, and uh, we are here, myself, Lee, and Reed, joining you today. Hello. Uh, it's time to wrap up our conversation on Mass Effect. Uh, we are not going to... Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh my God! I sorry. I just wanted. I just wanted to say. Oh my God! Continue. No, that's so fine. Uh, expletive. Uh, yeah. No. It's. Uh, it's. We're, we're going to jump right into that first. First and foremost, we were planning to do this in the AM, but uh, golf got in the way. Did you? Did you do good? Did you? Did you set the high score? <laughs> you know what? I golfed a forty-seven on the front nine on one of the hardest courses in Manitoba, so that was a success. The back nine was not, and we're not going to talk about the score there. They, is that when they start shooting dodgeballs at you through cannons and stuff like that, or <laughs> back nines just complete complete mayhem? No, it, the course we went to. Just a side note: it has like three different nine hole courses, uh, an oak, a quarry, and a desert, which is like the most unique thing I've ever been to as far as golf courses go. Because uh, there used to be an old quarry there, so they converted a lot of it into different kind of uh, golf mini golf courses. I don't know; it's pretty fucking neat. Sick, cool, good to yeah. hear, man. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we delayed the recording a little bit. Uh, so it is the afternoon, you know, I've already, we're already a few smokes and Red Bulls in, this is a different, <laughs> I don't know who I am, uh, but without further ado, Reed, uh, we kind of previewed uh, the end of Mass Effect 3, you seem to, in the back half of this game series, uh, realized why people find it so memorable, even if, uh, initially, when that, when that third game ended, people were, like, embarrassed to wear their N7 hoodies outside. It was, it, th- th- like, I think we touched upon <laughs> it in an earlier episode, but uh, it's just like Game of Thrones. It, when Game of Thrones wrapped up and everybody had their Game of Thrones merch and sweaters and uh, were so big into it, and then it, it's such a wet fart of an ending uh, that people pe- people just kind of are turned off from it uh, for one reason or another. And, and Mass Effect 3 uh, was that for me. I thought it was fine. I thought they, they concluded a trilogy as best as they could. But like you said, uh, there wasn't all those extra scenes uh, in there that... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yes and no. I, I agree with you on some parts. I can't speak for the vanilla ending because I never experienced it. I have some idea what it was like, and I can kind of understand from certain perspectives. But for me, at least, on the ending that I did get, I was pretty satisfied with the exception of a few things. And I really ended up liking Mass Effect 3 a lot more than I liked Mass Effect 2, to be honest. Uh, so take, yeah. take us through it. Uh, you, you failed to save the Geth, uh, and in order to save Tally from throwing herself off a cliff, you uh, you, you went with the organics on that one. Uh, yeah, and it turned out turned out to be a wise decision, we'll get to the end of that. Uh, but yeah, pretty much I did all the shit that you need to do before you go to the final two missions, which is Cerberus Headquarters and then going to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Um, (laughs) So the first thing I wanted to do, of course, is the Citadel DLC. This is the DLC that you never experienced, Lee. And uh, I can tell just right away this was maybe my favorite Mass Effect content in the entire trilogy. It uh, it earnestly felt like uh, Bioware was just like, like these guys clearly didn't get the closure and the time with these characters that that they want. Because let's face it, Mass Effect and this is part of something I'll go into later, is not about the story and Reapers and shit. It's about the characters and about the relationships that they made. And these characters, like, in some cases, they absolutely do develop as characters, like Tali, for example, and her acceptance of the Geth, etc. But a lot of characters don't develop, like, hugely. It's mostly about the bonds between uh, Shepard and them and all these other characters. So the Citadel DLC is like, what if we have two parts to it? The first part will be... Like, a fucking really fun action-adventure, low-stakes, like, like Mission Impossible thing. 
Then the second thing will just be a one big party with tons of unique dialogue, uh, and especially depending on who you saved in previous games and a bunch of other stuff. So you get into the first part of the DLC, where basically Anderson's just like, okay, like, you've been saving the galaxy for, like, fucking six years straight. You need to take a break before, like, you go and stop the Reapers. You have access to my personal apartment. It's yours now. So it's just this big apartment. You can walk around. There's tons of codex there uh, talking about Anderson's origins, like the first contact war, uh, him as a specter. Uh, his opinion on the Normandy and Shepard and all this other stuff. And it was really fucking cool because he has, like... He's just talking about how badass Shepard is and you're just like, fuck yeah, Anderson, you're the best. Uh, Thank spoiler you, alert, David. but do, does Anderson die? Yes, yeah, he okay, does. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah like, we'll get into that. At the beginning that, of 3 or, like, later? No, 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 right at the end. Oh, shit. Right yeah, at right. the end. But we'll get into that later. Um, so this the DLC op- just opens with you at the apartment. You check it out and then Joker calls you to come eat sushi. Uh, and it's highly advised you wear, especially if you're a femme chef or if you're a male chef, to wear, like, the fancy clothes. Um, because your romance will be a part of this mission coming up. Anyway, you put on the fancy clothes, and then you go to meet Joker for sushi at this bar. And it's super cheesy because you cut in line in front of a ton of people, and they're all, like, fucking pissed. And you're like, dude, literally Reapers are killing people by the billions right now. And y'all are getting mad about the dude fucking cutting in a sushi place. Hilarious. Uh, you meet up with Joker, and then fucking all of a sudden you're ambushed by, like, mercenaries, and all you have is a pistol. So you're using, like, this pistol in a dress. Like, you're not in your armor. You're just in casual fucking clothes. And you're and you're going through, like, this gauntlet, and then they shoot you through, like, an aquarium. You go through a bunch of other stuff. Uh, your romance shows up. They'll, they'll make a unique dialogue remark if you're wearing your fancy clothes, like, basically a nice outfit. And, like, they'll get distracted for a second. Uh, you go through the level a bit more with your romance, and then fucking Rex shows up and takes out an entire uh, shuttle by himself just by, like, crashing through the roof and, like, headbutting people out of it and shit. And then Rex is just like, hey, I was just here, and it sounds like you're having fun, so I'm tagging along. So you get to play with Rex as an actual companion for, like, the rest of this particular part of the DLC. Bunch of shit happens, and you meet all your other companions, and you're all basically just... It's really quippy, and really, uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's a bit MCU-ish, I guess, before the MCU was really a thing. Um, so everybody's basically making lots of meta jokes and shit. And like, you have this one girl that's with you who's like you, who's ex- DLC exclusive girl. And she's like, I just saw you kill 120 people with a pistol. Shepard's like, uh, yeah, I guess when you put it that way, I did. Uh, and shit like that's really funny. What do you think about the consequence so, of your actions? I guess I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, you go through it, bunch of quippy shit. You find out that uh, there's a clone of Shepard exactly matching oh, your Shepard. Yeah. And Scarlet they're like, Spider. they're like, yeah, they're basically like, oh, uh, like we were like, like the remains of you or some shit from like Mass Effect Two and Cerberus made oh, me in case in case you needed like an extra kidney or like. You needed, like, a heart transplant, like, I'd be here. It's, uh, so, I read like, a book like that in uh, grade three. <laughs> yeah. So the shepherd basically wants to kill you and take over the Normandy and be an asshole. Uh, and Wait. Basically... Sh- okay, hold on. Hold on. Okay, this is where the fucking podcast grinds to a halt, and I apologize. What? They grew... They grew us... I, I at first thought, this is the actual remains of Shepard. Dude, this lasts like half an hour. You shouldn't put like any thought yeah. into okay, it. Yeah. Okay, so they grew like... they grew an extra shepherd clone. 
And they didn't just grow them for it, parts because they gave they gave this shepherd uh, sentience. The shepherd knows that they've been they've been wronged, and now they want to become yeah, the real I, shepherd. But they, yeah, there was some bullshit about like they have like nothing but like indominate genes, so like they're like the shittiest version <laughs> of shepherd. Yeah, basically like liquid. Fuck. Uh, anyway, uh, she like traps you in like this thing, and she just goes, "I should go." Like making fun of the meme, I should go. And then Shepard's just like, I don't really sound like that, do I? The game was memeing. And then Rex it, and, is that game memeing itself in real time then? Because you're talking about something yes. that came out 11 years ago. Yes, yes, it's memeing itself in real time back in the day. It's like the developers were hyper aware of it. Uh, like, this is the only part of the game that does it, though. It's just, and for good reason. It's a goofy DLC to begin with. It's like, it's like, uh, like Old World Blues for New Vegas, all right? Um,. So anyway, you get out, Garrus, and, like, uh, anyway, Garrus is my romance. That's why I keep on mentioning Garrus. Uh, you stop your clone, and, like, you can try to save her, but they'll just kill themselves anyway. Who gives a shit? And then you just, like, and then everybody's just like, let's just have a party. Before that, you can go all around, uh, before that, you can go all around a new area in the Citadel called the Silverstone Strip, and there's a ton of minigames. Um, there's a combat simulator for prizes. There's a casino where you can play a bunch of um, gambling games. There's a ton of shit. You get, out of, you get to have, hang out with, like, everybody that you saved in the previous three games. And you can have sh uh, conversations with them, hang out with them, find out more about them. Like, fuck, uh, so Garrus is my romance. You go up to the bar and you guys do, like, a tango dance. And you can, like, make James jealous and really rub it in his nose and shit. It's really fucking funny. And, uh... Anyway, you go to the party, and the party is basically just, like, you can invite everybody that you saved in the previous three games. They all come to your apartment, and you can just spend basically three, there's, like, three different periods of time, and people get drunk as more periods go on. Like, eventually, Jacob and James are having a push-up contest, and Tali's, like, pushing them over and shit. And, like, Ashley and James are gonna bone, and, like fucking Javik and Zaid are, like, shooting bottles from behind the bar and a bunch of dumb shit. Uh, you get to hang out with everybody. Grunt fucking is, like, having a shower because he's so drunk. That was pretty funny. Uh, bunch of dumb shit. And then, like, this, that's basically the DLC. It's, it's, I make it sound not great, but, like, trust me, it's fucking hilarious and it's fun and it's especially endearing if, if you've been playing, like, me, where you just fucking played three of these games in a row and you love all these characters, and to see them in, like, not a life-or-death situation is so weird, but pretty cool. I anyway, the fact so, that the thing that they're doing immediately afterwards... Oh, no, and that's the, that, that's the good part about it, is, like, you're about to leave the DLC, and basically Shepard's just, like, lean on the railing looking at Normandy, and everybody's like, well, I guess we're going back to, like, fighting the Reapers and risking our lives, eh? And Shepard's like, yep. And uh, they're like, it's been a hell of a good ride. And Shepard just says the best and fucking ends with a really good song. And then you go on with the with the game. And that's when I went up to the end of the game. Uh, Cerberus headquarters, who gives a fuck? Nothing really important happens there. Uh, you go to Earth because you need to stop the Reapers by never, beaming up. You've never once mentioned the fucking ninja. Oh, Kai, Kai Ling? Kai Ling? Yeah, because well, who gives a fuck? It's Troy Baker, and you blast him away in two seconds in his boss fight. So apparently fucking writers changed between Mass Effect 2 and 3, and then this people were criticizing uh, that character for being kind of like an, a self-insert, or like like an OC, kind of like this ninja that shows up and just fucking best Shepard and his team, and like... 
people people were 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 calling Mary Sue on that character at one point. Uh, but then you get <laughs> well, you get anyway. to like cut their fucking head off if I remember correctly. So uh, you know, turn about. Maybe you play. played Renegade. I was playing uh, mainly. Pentagon. I was playing Pentagon. Anyway. But I still cut their head off. <laughs> so you go to Earth <laughs> and. You go to Earth, and even before that, I'm already, like, basically in fucking tears, because, like, I can't stand that I'm leaving these characters and shit. Uh, so, go around, you talk to everybody, and they're all saying their goodbyes. Garrus's romance goodbye is so fucking heartbreaking. And he's just like, forgive the insubordination, but your boyfriend has an order for you. Don't die out there. You're like, God damn it, I'm gonna fucking die. And I, by the way, I know... That my shepherd is going to fucking die at this because I don't have enough war asset. Because I didn't fucking save the geth. Right? <laughs> Fuck this up. Yeah, so I know my shepherd's fucking doomed. Like, uh, or I, I, sorry, I don't know this until it's time to make the decision. But I have a very strong feeling. Because I just know at this point that you need 7,800 war asset to get the best ending. I learned after, like, when I was about to choose the endings, that that's how you get the Shepherd Breeze cussing. Anyway, Which is, fucking say goodbye, uh, say goodbye oh to Garrus. Oh my god, it's, okay, it's all coming back to me. Okay, keep going. Yeah, talk to Garrus. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking, it's making me, like, ball. Like, if you watch my stream of it on my, or on my YouTube or whatever, I, I can't even, like, hold it together. I'm just, like, breathing heavy through my mic, like... <laughs> so I played... <laughs> And fucking, like, it's so sad. Liara's thing is even, like, Liara grew on me. Like, really? Like, did not like her at all in the first game. Second game, I was totally whatever. But by the third game, hanging out with her and everything, I was like, she's a good friend. Like, it's not, like, Rex close, but, you know, you know. She's, uh. She's good shit. Yeah, she's also, like, well-connected. She's, like, a, she's, like, a someone you want to keep good terms with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Say goodbye to Tali, which was also really emotional because Tali's like my second favorite character after Garrus. Uh, give the really emotional speech to everybody about how we're going to save the fucking world and everything's costing lives. Do your airborne, like, ride note in front I, of the motor yeah, horse. I yeah. can't, yeah, and I'm unable to keep it together. I'm so there fucking is a day just. When the strength of men fails, <laughs> this is not that day. But there's Protheans and Turians and shit there. Anyway. So, uh, here's, here's just a side note. I know this part, this is the part where you're running at the laser, essentially. You do, like, waves of combat with some shit before this. But now you have to run to the beam that shoots you up to the crucible. Yes. Uh, and that's where, um, Harbinger's just blasting everything in front of you. So, um, what I understand from Vanilla is that there's no cutscene where your companions get hurt and you call for evac from Joker. They just kind of disappear. And I thought that was, I thought that was fucking hilarious. I'm like, that was in vanilla. That would make me so fucking angry. At a certain point, there's like there's like a save point or there's like a safe area right before that, and that's kind of the last time you talk to your teammates. And then there's there's just kind of no reference to them after that. Like there's they're just yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So you no at least in this at least in the extended edition which they released with DLC after no you're running I'm still running with Garrus and Tali and shit. Um, Big Bean comes down and hurts uh, Garrus because he's my romance. You always want to have your romance in your party for these last two missions, by the way. Like, pretty, pretty much server's headquarters to Earth. Because you're always going to get special cutscenes with them. You had my love so, with you, too, if you had Tally with you. Yeah. So, shit. Um, so, shit. Crap, so, die Pepsi. Tal so, Tally and... Uh, it's a water. Tally and Garrus get blasted by a laser. And Garrus is hurt. 
So you call in evac from Joker, sure. and this is where like you needed to have like a certain amount of Paragon or some shit to save everybody. Yeah. Anyway, I saved everybody. He's too busy eating sushi. Com- eating yeah, it comes in. He comes in. He's picking up Tali and Garrus, and like this was like second saddest scene in the game after uh, Anderson's death coming up. Um, but Garrus is just like like you can't evac me, and Shepard's like, no, I have to. Uh, and Garrus is like, look how hell you are. You're not going up there, and you're like, oh, I have to. Uh, and then you get this, you get this, oh man, Jennifer Hales, I've seen both Mark Muir and Jennifer Hales, uh, part for this, um, as far as different companions go, but Jennifer Hale just had completely fucking next level for this, but she basically, you can tell she's cracking up when she says like, I love you and I always will. The thing with Garrus is all two games, if you've romanced him, never once has he ever said love you back. It's always just been Shepard saying it because Garrus is always trying to be like, the fucking sly, cocky cop character. But he finally says it, and it's, like, really emotional. I thought that was a very nice touch, especially if you've been romancing for two games. It's a very nice payoff to that relationship. I thought that was extremely well done by Bioware. Anyway, you fucking blitz it to the laser beam. You get beamed up, yeah. and you're like, I guess I guess Harbinger just isn't a thing in this game, really. Like, such a big deal in Mass Effect 2, he was, like, assuming control. Well, and in keeping with the Game of Thrones analogy earlier, it becomes clear that you just have to d- deal with the nucleus here, deal with the 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 root cause, and we don't have to worry about killing individual Reapers, is, I guess... Right, the, I just thought yeah. maybe we'd have, like, a quick boss fight with Harbinger where you do take him down before you get to the beam or some shit, because Harbinger was a yeah. yeah, punch, whatever. Um... So then you get up to the control panel in the crucible to set it off. That's when the elusive man stops you and he's like, basically, this was the confusing thing about the entire game because Shepard kept saying that the elusive man was indoctrinated, but the elusive man kept doing shit that didn't work with that. But it turns out like he was kind of indoctrinated and he kind of wasn't like he, he's sort of in control of his actions, but at the same time he's not, I was content with it after, um, good performance by Martin Sheen here. I thought in general, but basically, he controls you to shoot Anderson, but through the power of speech and a bunch of other shit, you eventually just stop the elusive man. He wanted to use, uh, you wanted to control the Reapers, which is part of one of the endings, which is, uh, it's fine. Um, but the really, yeah. but this, I thought this generally was the saddest part of the game because I knew, like, I'm like, Shepard can't even fucking live here, there's no chance. Uh, Anderson's fucking dead, and, like, this is the one character that, like, for the three games has basically been a farther figure, essentially, to Shepard in certain ways. I always thought Anderson, uh, Anderson's, like, yes, that's, that's perfect, but also Anderson is one generation away from being Shepard. Like, if Anderson was a few years younger and, and came into this situation, like, Anderson almost realizes that he can't do the thing, but Shepard has come along and will fill that, those shoes, and just puts his full support behind Shepard, the whole fucking trilogy uh yeah Anderson's there's in like, your fucking court from like the minute one of those games man yes yes exactly he's always been in your corner he's always been your number one fan and it's like the so when he says like so for the if you're playing uh, a male shepherd he'll say i'm proud of you son and if you're playing a female shepherd he'll say i'm proud of you child uh i thought that was a nice touch too um fuck what an incredibly sad cutscene. that's because it's just like it's kind of like Mel Your Soul 4 where you're in the microwave at the end where you're just like, fuck, Snake has just been through so much bullshit. Like, he's just just one more crawl, Snake. Fuck, come on. And that's exactly what I felt with Shepard here, which is just like, 
Fuck me, Shepard has been fighting waves of enemies for fucking 120 hours straight. This woman needs a break. Uh, so you go up there and you meet the kid AI. Uh, okay, so let's stop here wait, wait. and talk about when the original ending came out with the kid AI and the kid at the beginning of the game and the codex entries. We have to talk about this. I'm sure you've researched it a little bit and you have your thoughts on it. Uh, but when all those extra scenes weren't in there, people were doing the... Okay, there's there's deeper meaning here. Bioware buried uh, some deeper meaning in this ending. They must have. It can't really be this shit. And uh, one of the theories was that Shepard has been indoctrinated since some point in the second game. And that a lot of what Shepard experiences and sees is 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 not real. And that you're not in full control of your your decisions and that while they might seem like the right decisions for mankind and whatnot you are just following a script read what do you feel I, about these conspiracy theories i i absolutely don't fucking buy into it when one of the endings you can choose is destroy which destroys all the fucking reapers it makes zero sense when you, can, when you think about it like that and the biggest point of evidence for this is the is the elusive man which happened just before this because he was like almost fully indoctrinated and if Shepard was too, she would follow under the same conditions. The child said, the elusive man was indoctrinated. We wouldn't have let him use it. Just like if Shepard was truly indoctrinated, they would have said, we won't let you use it. Yeah, but but if, she did. She destroyed all the Reapers. The Reapers are going to tell Shepard whatever they want to tell Shepard. No, but then but then you have to consider the, the destroy ending is just some like thought in Shepard's head. And then it's not canon and it's not even happening right in real time. Well, I mean, ultimately that is. will be the case, right? Okay, so yeah, let's it, run through the endings. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. the endings, at least for the expanded, there's four. There's refusal, where you just refuse all options given to you, and then the Shep the Reapers basically just kill everybody. That's it. That's the end. So Reapers win. Um, yeah. yeah. There's synthesis, synthesis, synthesis. ending, where <laughs> yeah. all organic and synthetic life merge together. I haven't even watched this on YouTube because I thought it sounded dumb as fuck and some Neon Genesis bullshit. Okay, so where they're like, I went through uh, all three endings that were presented in the original game. And uh, if I remember correctly, people really compare say just, oh, it changes the color of light. Because it just kind of tells you, okay, synthetic life uh, is going to be combined. Uh, everybody's going to be half robot. It's going to be a, a world of androids living forever, fucking looking good. Uh, this will be fantastic. And then it doesn't really show you the outcome of that. Uh, yeah. So it's just, it's same with the destroy ending. It's really just a implication. Uh, and I think that's the bummer. It's just like, okay, all my decisions have led up to them being like, this is what will happen. And then not showing the fallout of that at all, because that's another game they could make. Um, yeah, there was, there's definitely some, there, there's definitely a bunch of cutscenes after, for at least for the ending that I chose. Anyway, so there's the control ending where Shepard will basically become the child AI and be in full control of the Reapers. And it varies depending if you're Paragon or Renegade. If you're Renegade, it'll be more of an Iron Fist rule. Like, I will force peace upon the entire universe, and if anybody gets out of line, I'll fucking wipe them out. If you're Paragon, it's more like a, I will guide everybody and show them new technological advances. I will broker pre peace beyond uh, before uh, between all races, etc. Um, so depending on your view, that could be the best ending. It just kind of sucks for Shepard because they lose their personality uh, and they become this thing. And then there's the classic and probably most popular destroy ending, which will destroy all synthetic life in the galaxy. And this is why I said. 
I didn't really end up regretting not saving the Geth, Geth as much or anymore. Anyway. Because <laughs> because this would kill them anyway. It kills Edie too, which I was super mad. I, I didn't think about Edie when I was making this choice. When I was going oh, to the app, yeah, when I was when I was going to the scene after yeah. and it's showing the memorial on the Normandy and said Edie, I was like, no, Edie. Okay, so um, what's the before we get too far here? The child AI. Talk more about that. What do you know about the child AI? Because I'm I don't remember the justification of a small child that looks like the child. They were just taking. The the they were just taking the form of like whatever okay. is in Shepard's memory. I remember that being in the I, codex entry for the indoctrination, and it's just like the person will start seeing ghosts and like hearing noise, and then there's like a bunch of. I, I just remember watching these videos and being like, yeah, okay. This is it. This is it's interesting. Just, but... Like, it's a cool... It's 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 exactly what you say it is. It's a cool theory, but it's not what it actually is. Like, because you can destroy... The destroy ending is probably going to be the canon one, too. Well, okay, so um, is it only the destroy ending that destroys the mass relays? Yes, it destroys the mass relays. It destroys all synthetic life. And then you basically get a bunch of cutscenes where uh, Anderson's like... We're going to rebuild them. It shows uh, Joker and the entire crew surviving the crash on the jungle planet, fixing the ship, and then taking off. It shows them putting up Shepard's memorial in the Normandy. Garrus does it because he's my romance, which was super fucking sad. And then if you had enough war asset, you would get the best ending, which I did not, which is just a cutscene after the credits where it shows a pile of rubble and you hear Shepard breathe. I got that ending. Uh yeah, so that is what I consider going to be, like, the canon ending going forward. Um, I don't think, like, especially in the Mass Effect 4 game or whatever you want to call it coming out, that the Reapers are going to be around. As you can see in the background of the trailer, there's a dead Reaper on the planet. Therefore, the destroy ending is probably the canon ending, thus invalidating any bullshit theories of Shepard being secretly indoctrinated. I mean, the, also, I, they killed a lot of Reapers before the destroy ending happened. So you they, can't they definitively killed, like, say three. that. Yeah. <laughs> they killed like three. Yeah. That's Reapers. still three Reapers, Reed. <laughs> and anyway, and I personally don't like it on an emotional level because I think it invalidates a lot of Shepard's characteristics, which is an iron will and this determination that cannot be broken by any means. Um, I really like the the heroic message of that as opposed to, like, this weird theory where they might be indoctrinated even though they let you destroy their entire fucking race. Like, you could Your theory could then be that, like, Shepard is not fully indoctrinated and does still choose the destroy ending. I don't know. It's been over ten years since I fucking played this ending. Yeah, so. if, 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 if that is the case and there's just, like, but Shepard in the end does resist and they can choose the destroy ending, that'd be, that, sure. But uh, it just the evidence in my mind, because of what they said about the elusive man, how they would have never let him control them, uh, it leads me to believe that Shepard wouldn't be any exception to that rule either. Therefore, they're not indoctrinated. Um, keep in mind that you have to have like prolonged exposure to Reaper technology, yeah. exposure to Reaper technology, like Saren with his ship Sovereign, yeah, and then sure. the elusive man. Uh, I we find out through Kodak, whatever, that he found um, Reaper tech when he was in the first Contact Wars. So uh, he's already been exposed to it for years and years and years, as opposed to Shepard, who has not been like near Reaper stuff for a prolonged period. Their, their indoctrination would not be incredibly believable, in my opinion. So anyway, uh, I was fucking just losing my mind and crying the whole time during this goddamn ending. Uh, really love Shepard. One of those games where you like the main character more than anybody else, even though you control a lot of their choices. Not unlike Witcher 3, I thought. Uh, absolutely fucking great. Um, 
Do you prefer do you prefer a dead shepherd? Like narratively, not not your own feelings of like oh, yes, I want my shepherd to be alive so they can kiss Garrus yeah. in the mouth again. But like <laughs> but like do you do you like the idea of the hero has has died to save everyone or do you like the idea of shepherd possibly coming back in a role in a future game? That's uh, I like the idea of I setting think, a map. I think it, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think it. I think it does fit better with the story if Shepard stays dead, and then like the next game could just be a lot of like Shepard died saving everybody. They were this. They were that. Because like it wouldn't be because as far as we know, this is not going to take place when Shepard's still alive. Because it's Liara can live fucking hundreds and thousands right. of years, and she's the only character we were shown. So it'd be it would be lamer in my opinion, lamer quote unquote. If next if next game they were like Shepard saved the entire galaxy and died, except she didn't, and then she kind of just chilled out for like I don't know thirty years, and then she passed away from old age. Like it doesn't sound as epic, I guess, in that way. It's that, that fucking Picard show. It's like Picard retired to a farm to presumably die of old age, except now we need another story. So we're busting a sixty year old Shepard out of retirement. It's like like unless Shepard serves as the Anderson role. In, in in a in a near future oh, Mass Effect game, yeah that that'd be that'd be hard because so many people have their own versions of Shepard yeah, in their head. I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it'd be it'd be really what would be really neat if you could import your Legendary Edition like Shepard to it. That'd be kind of fucking neat. Um, anyway, yeah. anyway, so that's yeah. basically the that's basically the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, Mass Effect Three overall for it. Um, I liked a lot of things in Mass Effect 3. I thought overall the gameplay was a lot more tight than Mass Effect 2. I liked the simple, the simplification of using your teammates' abilities through the E and Q buttons, at least on keyboard. The Xbox Connect. Um, yeah, I very much enjoyed the smaller roster of companions. Uh, it felt a lot more manageable in my opinion, especially talking to everybody and making sure all their dialogue was exhausted. Um, I did like the war asset system in theory. I really do like the feeling of like, oh, I, and I did scan every fucking planet, by the way, 100%, yeah, everything. Um, and I got every war asset and I really like that feeling of like, oh, you brokered a deal with the Krogans and the Turians. Now you get like a bunch of fucking war asset. I really like that feeling. The multiplayer is not in there because that was a cool way to boost that number. And also like the multiplayer was perfectly fun. Like, um, and then, but there's a bunch of things about the war asset that I didn't like how it rendered some things feeling a bit meaningless and as far as like you know the rack and i go um you get like a bit let you get like a bit more war asset if you destroyed the collector base in mass effect 2 as opposed to keeping it alive besides that that decision didn't matter a whole lot from what i understand um so that was kind of the good and bad about that. Um, I like the weapon upgrade system. I disliked very much how they handled the web, the mission log, essentially. How you could overhear a conversation and people are like, oh, go get this thing for me on this fucking planet. And it wasn't in its own section on the missions like called like fucking fetch quests or side quests or whatever you want to call it. Navigating through what missions were essential, which ones weren't, was a very stressful situation especially because there's so many things in mass effect 3 where it's like oh you gotta do this before you do that to make sure you maximize how much war asset you get uh so in that regards it's good and bad it feels like you really want to follow a guide to make sure you're maximizing your potential of the game which i think isn't i don't know like 
I don't want to play the game again just to see the other side of it. And I know some people will, but like, I don't know if I'm ever going to come back and play these games again is the thing. They're very long, uh, story-heavy games, and when you know the story, it's not as fun going through it a second time. Um, overall, play such a, be- a role that it, unless you were intentionally just doing the opposite of everything you did the first time, uh, it it's not like people will disagree, but it's not a replayable game in that sense uh, or trilogy because yeah. you're you're gonna want to play all three. You're not just gonna start at three. You're gonna start from one and go through all that rigmarole again. Yeah, so overall, though, for the Mass Effect trilogy, I absolutely do, I absolutely do see why people regard this in such high, uh, in high esteem, because you don't see, I don't want to say, you don't see a lot of games like this these days, um, but it's unique to have just, like, a classic, what, what it felt like, that era of, of, uh, companionship, like you'd see in, I don't know, like, like KOTOR, fuck, um, it's it's hard to put into words. It's like the story is totally like fucking whatever. Like I get less than two shits about the Reapers, but uh, just like the archetypes of the characters, them respecting Shepard, uh, Shepard being like a very competent, respected uh, protagonist as opposed to someone that you need to build up to that point was a really nice change of pace right off the bat. Uh, you know, serviceable gameplay, absolutely. Uh, and then just, like, yeah, the the deep world-building that they had set up this very believable universe and believable characters. It's was I was very pleased to have played the entire trilogy. I'm really glad that I did, but I don't know if I'll ever play it again because, man, that took a lot out of me. I was, we had that eureka moment where we're like, yeah, it is just... So they set this diorama, and then they put these really well-written characters that can exist now in this world that they have built, and that is the shining... That is the reason to play these games, straight up. And and that's why people are willing to return to Mass Effect, is that world is always going to be, like, the same there. And, like, set more games in this universe, please. Yeah, it's it's almost the exact same situation with The Witcher. Uh, In some regards, like, the this actual main story of The Witcher, like, the DLC stories are really good, but the actual main story of The Witcher, like, rescuing Ciri from the elves... Like, it's totally like fucking whatever. It's the side stories. It's the characters. It's it's the respected main protagonist. It's uh, the wonderful writing, and then like the fucking gameplay is just serviceable. Who gives a shit? But you keep coming back for the for the characters and for the moments. It's always just there's good a, shit. There's that really. post credit scene where there's like a dad talking to a son. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, with uh, Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, and it's just, like, talking about the Shepherd or whatever. It's meant to be, like, in the far future, like, this is now just a legend that this person saved the universe from being wiped out or whatever, and that... Yeah. The, the other implication being that they're they're talking about space travel as if it's a thing from a distant era, and that maybe with the mass relays going down, it could be hundreds of years before far space travel is, is viable again. And we talked about that being an interesting a point of time to, to place a game where suddenly all these soldiers that were fighting on Earth, aliens and humans combined, can't get home to their home planets and their families uh, who will just perish before they're ever able to see them again. No, and uh, that would be honestly a really fun Mass Effect 4 is like you're just trying to like stop like, I don't know, like a bad corporation from taking over a single planet or something. Yeah. Well, like because uh, people can't move around. So it's just like, okay, it's, it's wild West. It's, it's fucking martial law. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like, let's just go within the, in the single system. Like it's just set within a single system yeah. as opposed to the entire galaxy. Like, dude, I, like, I, I how don't... simple would it be? It's just like Garrus 
a fucking Earth cop. Like, here, society's falling apart <laughs> on Earth. No one can leave. Spaceships are all fucked up. Uh, synthetics are, are gone, so people have to work real jobs now because there's no robots to do it for them. There's a lot of cool things you can just you can spitball about in that world but i would also be fine with setting something prior to the whole reaper thing like set it a, a decade before the shepherd crisis and just have yeah, it be whatever, anything yeah, yeah what, whatever you do though just like no more like universe ending like stakes like it's after three games <laughs> it's just like it's just like man like we need to have like a smaller story here it's the same thing that can be said of superhero fucking movies. It's just like keep it simple. It doesn't need to be the the fate of the fucking Earth at all at all given times. Uh, tell tell yeah. the, the little stories, and that's the stuff you remember mostly from Mass Effect, anyways. And it's you know it's a shame they never made another Mass Effect game. Uh, Reed, did you are you gonna play Andromeda? Are you gonna try it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I I I always try to play like the first hour and it just doesn't ever grab me like the way I hope it does. Uh it's not like we and I think a big part of that is the main character. I think a big reason why you play Mass Effect is because you're starting in in the roles of Shepard, this fucking badass N7 unit. Uh and he d- immediately demands respect and then you go to Andromeda and you're playing Ryder and everybody's like, "Oh, you got to prove yourself." And like, "Fuck you, you piece of shit. Oh, I'm the captain. Got why, job. Where's <laughs> Yeah, where's my option to, like, kick these people off the fucking team? Like, uh, that's something I really hope games in the future start doing. One thing I really love about Baldur's Gate 3, which I'm playing right now, is um, if you do enough actions that you're... Not all your companions share the same morals and things they like. They're all united by a common goal of to cure their illness, but they don't like each other, and they don't like the same things, and they have different morals. Mm. So you can have a mix of them in your party and doing certain things will approve like will they will approve of and so for some of them and other ways they'll disapprove of it. If you piss them off enough or if you like someone too much, other people might just fucking leave your game and you'll never see them again. Likewise, you can fucking just kill them instead of uh, talking to them and recruiting to them if you don't like roll correctly or you're not saying the right things to them. And I think that's the next step with these kinds of games, and I think that's what Mass Effect needs to do is have a dynamic party system. Uh, because like there's like fucking Ashley, I would just like do so many things to make her leave, and that'd be hilarious and fun and awesome. Center pack. And I think that'd be. Yeah, and I think I think that's what they should focus on these Mass Effect games is that's why people play them is for the companions and the squad. And I think that was another big failing in Andromeda is the squad's boring as fuck. Liam sucks. Chorus sucks. Shit. Yeah. I mean, you Mass like, uh, you, you're a guy who, yeah, fucking Mass Effect. Whoa. Uh, you are a guy who likes Anthem. Uh, so at least you could think of Andromeda as the stepping stone between Mass Effect and Anthem. Because uh, they got like <laughs> Jukin and they got like jetpacks in that game. Uh, which, which, and remember the game, the game, we have to, uh, we have to say again, historically, if you played Andromeda at launch, it was very buggy, like cyberpunk level NPCs floating through things, texture maps, not loading up, uh, like crashing unplayably buggy when it came out, which was for a Mass Effect Bioware EA game was like, what the fuck is this? And people have since, obviously they, they did some work to it. They had DLC planned for it. They canceled it. Uh, so that game's just kind of take or leave it. Uh, it tells a story that at least takes place so far away and is so unimportant uh, that you can just keep making Mass Effect games in the near universe and and probably it can just be forgotten. I don't think they would ever need to justify 
Andromeda. They never need to bring it up again unless they're just going to be like uh, a piece of dialogue somewhere in the game where it's just like, yeah, all the Ark ships blew up. One of them landed and uh, uh, was doing pretty good, tried to uh, establish a human colony all the way out there, but then uh, they just died too. They're just... They're just wiped out or whatever. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the Ma name of the uh, the person. Uh, Rider, Rider, maybe. No, that can't yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just make Mass Effect Four. An arc comes back to like a particular system, and they're like, "Hey, it's been you know six hundred years." And Liar shows up because she's an Asari, and she's just like, "Oh, hey, I was with this person named Shepard, and they saved the universe. Unfortunately, it turned everything into the Wild West, and now we have ourselves da, of space." Da, da, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. basically you just like go to fucking systems and you make them not full of renegades it's or whatever. Indiana fuck Jones, it. It. they're looking for they they're looking for some MacGuffin to restore the mass relays. That's it. That's all you need to know. And they're like, uh, yeah, and they're like, once we have all the mass relays, we'll steal all the money somehow. <laughs> go. We'll take a mass relay directly into the bank vaults and steal all the gold. Yeah, uh, we'll 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 steal all the technology and sell it on the black market. That's... That'll great. Now they yeah or it's, it's rough. Man. We'll take over the we'll take over the mass relays and we'll charge everybody per use. Oh fuck! No the toll, the mass relays. <laughs> yeah, now you're thinking. Yeah. that's the that's the way to go. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Mass Effect. Read any final thoughts on Mass Effect that you haven't already uh, conveyed here. Um, can this wait a bit? I'm working on some calibrations. Oh my god. Uh, we've, we've kind of uh, touched on all these points, but yes, the, the reason to play Mass Effect is the atmosphere, the world building, uh, the nooks and crannies, as it were, and the relationships with the characters. The main plot, serviceable. People got way too upset uh, about how it initially wrapped up, but it did sound like they elaborated on the things people kind of complained about. Uh, and in retrospect, yeah, adding those extra scenes with your companions, adding that Citadel DLC and stuff like that probably would have given a lot of people a little more closure on that game, uh, myself included, I guess. I don't think back on Mass Effect in a sour way. I just think like you that I've, I've played my Shepard. I've gone through these experiences. Uh, I, I really, it's not a replayable game for me. Otherwise, then you hear other people are replaying that game every two years, every year, and going through the whole, all three of them. And you're just like, how? How yeah, you... I I, cu yeah. I couldn't do that. It's the reason why I don't replay Personas, if anything, uh, especially because halfway through it, you're just going to get bored. Like me with Mass Effect 2, when I was done that, I did not want to play Mass Effect 3 for months. Um, but I hate leaving those games halfway through and then coming back and be like, what the fuck was I doing? I'm not as invested with these characters anymore because I've spent less time with them. Um, it's, it's much easier playing like a Final Fantasy every couple of years because those are like 40 hour games when you want them to be, you don't need to do all the extra side quests to make sure that you get the good cutscenes. You kind of just play the game and you get to the end. Not saying that like, that's a bad thing for mass effect. That's its strongest suit is its uniqueness in a lot of those respects, but it just lends itself to being a very fatiguing experience when you want to get the most out of it. Well, you can't go back to ghost of Tsushima and finish it now. Cause the ending won't be as impactful. You'll, you'll forgotten what it means to lose your honor for each yeah, yeah, I gotta like replay the game from the fucking beginning. But once I get to where I am again, every I'm just gonna get bored. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why that's why pacing is so fucking important, and that's why God of War 2018 is still like the best game because that pacing is perfect. Yeah, get perfect. Uh, so uh, you can go check out our Metal Gear Solid series complete podcast online now. 
Uh, we're going to talk a little bit here on the back end of the podcast about maybe some other stuff we've been playing and skip the news for today. Uh, but that will be it for Mass Effect. Uh, we will announce whatever's coming next when we know what it is. Just some grab, grab bag episodes coming up. Reed, have you been playing anything in the wake of finishing Mass Effect that you need to tell us about? Baldur's Gate? You yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've gone on to Baldur's Gate and I'm playing Divinity Original Sin 2 with some people at work, which is nice. kind of fun. It's... Yeah, which is definitely one of the better ways to experience the game. It, if it's, if only like it's impossible to like, all right, everybody sit here. We're all gonna go through the story together and like click the prompts together. Like it's just a lot of people spamming everything so you can get to the end. Um, but if you just enjoy the combat, which is the biggest strength of Divinity Original Sin Two, it's absolutely a blast. So it's basically me, Nick, and Graham. By the way, um, playing as good fun. No, no, no. We're all playing regular things. Regular. Uh, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing a special build where I'm going to go into uh, a dual wielding rogue that will be able to be essentially dodge anything coming in their way at any moment. Um, bunch of other shit. So that'll be fun. Baldur's Gate 3 is really cool. I've been playing Patch 5, which added a ton of shit, has elaborated on roles, and they show you all your modifiers, all the things you can add. Uh, I've gone farther in this particular run than i have in any other because every time there's a new patch you can't use your old saves um so i've experienced a lot more of the actual game what it has to offer and like talking to hags and fucking going through swamps attacking goblin towns uh and what what i think a big strength over divinity original sin 2 that baldur's gate 3 has is baldur's gate 3 will give you just as much experience for finding diplomatic and non-violent solutions uh, to problems as opposed to Divinity Original Sin 2 where it was in your best interest to solve the solve the problem in a non-violent way and then kill everybody after you got what you needed. <laughs> uh, Baldur's Gate is a lot better in, in uh, having a good balance of both of like, it's just as good to like use creativity just because they're trying to give you that D&D experience, right? Where you want to use creativity to solve problems as opposed to violence. So, like, I'm in a cave with a bunch of enemies, essentially, and instead of trying to fight them, I'm going to wild shape my main character into a cat because cats are really stealthy and try to get to the end of the the level and push the lever or something like that. So I really like that in regards to the game. It's a little bit disappointing that it's still the early access, of course, uh, but the level cap is only, like, level 4, which isn't a ton for D&D. Like, you start getting a lot of good stuff and really start being able to have really good fights in the later levels. Uh, but it's definitely serviceable. Um, they still have a ton of stuff to add to the game, obviously. So do you have to pay for the full... Is it early access a certain price and then the game is another price? I, or Man, I bought it I bought it so long ago, I forget. I think it was like 50 bucks. Okay. So maybe, and when okay. the full game comes out, I get I just get the full game. Okay, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. So, uh, but they're always adding new stuff each patch. They're incredibly good when it comes to listening to feedback from uh, the players. Because the people that are playing right now are obviously hardcore players. Um, so they definitely take that into account. They do a ton of stuff. And I can't praise them enough for having some of the most beautiful custom character models in gaming. Uh, not in, like a bunch of other games need to take note. Fucking make your own characters just like absolutely gorgeous. Drop dead beautiful. And I'm a big fan of it. 
Uh, it's a big part of these games for me. Like, I really, I really like having a good. Well, listen, character. Matt, you've played enough Skyrim and Oblivion and Morrowind in your time to that that character models. Uh, you know, if they're look looking good, you're gonna take note. That's it's all. Yeah, it's all that needs to be said about that. So, yeah, that's good shit. Uh, that's basically what I've been playing. Oh, you know, a little bit of Fallout here and there. Well, yeah, I've been playing Fallout Three this week of all fucking games. Uh, but we won't talk about that. Let's talk about the Takeover, which I meant to talk about on last week's episode. It is a send up of Streets of Rage. Uh, a bit overshadowed, of course, by Streets of Rage 4 coming out and being fucking phenomenal. Uh, but it is a arcade-style uh, beat-em-up. Uh, there are four characters to play as. You start with three. It has a, like, Sega Saturn manual-looking... I can't even, like, PS1 cover art style. Uh, and then on top of, like, animated cutscenes and, like, intentionally seemingly awful voiceovers and a plot that's, uh, like... There, there's two characters. They're not really cops. They go around with guns and shoot people, I've, which is cool because they're like, they're bad guys. They're shooting. So I get, anyways, their their daughter gets kidnapped by someone, and then it's time to hit the streets and beat the living shit out of everybody. And uh, the game is very crisp. It feels good. It it feels good for a beat 'em up. Uh, maybe not as good as Streets of Rage four, but definitely something that feels tighter than than the games did back in the day. And there's plenty of cool moves and combos and ways you can uh, get through the levels. Me and my buddy played in one sitting. Uh, there's a bunch of other modes in it. It's about 25 bucks, I think, on PSN and most other places you can find it. It's called The Takeover. Uh, the music's fucking weird. and out, like It's just kind of a... If you watch the trailer for this, you know what you're getting into. It's it's cheesy. It's uh, like kind of offbeat. And the, the visuals are, are really unique uh, to it. And I, uh, I recommend The Takeover. The Ascent read. Uh, Cyberpunk. Remember Cyberpunk? It's back. Oh, yeah, I remember Cyberpunk. It's back, baby. Uh, we're talking ice. We're talking uh, deck. We're talking guns and augments and uh, ripper docks and all that shit is here in this isometric dual stick shooter RPG called The Ascent. It takes place in a mega city, obviously. The Ascent would imply you are making your way from the bottom and now you are here, higher up in the mega complex. Uh, the game looks fantastic. Like the, the city rendering, uh, the, the character models, uh, the different races in the game. And it's really just like tabletop cyberpunk, like by the books, it doesn't really do anything unique to the genre, but just, but in, in terms of a cyberpunk game released in 2021, after playing cyberpunk 2077, this game looks unique, uh, it, beyond that. And I do recommend playing it. Uh, you level up, you get abilities, uh, you can get super punches and, and force fields, and it's couch co-op. You can play this game with another person. It has a uh, uh, interesting mechanic where you can like aim for the head or hip shot, and then you can also crouch. And when you aim for the head, then you would uh, raise your hand over cover. So it's got like a cover-based system in this isometric game. Uh, kind of your standard Diablo stuff. Talk to a person, they give you a quest. Go fulfill it. There's main quests. Go beat a boss. Uh, have a good time. Shoot some dudes. The Ascent. Check it out. It's on Game Pass as well, so I didn't pay anything for it. Which I should mention. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I pushed through the Norwegian part of the game uh, so that I am now plundering in England. Uh, too long, didn't read version of this. Uh, the King of Norway is saying he's going to unite all the Viking clans and uh, war will be over. Uh, everybody's going to be holding hands across uh, Norway uh, in, a, in an age of peace. Some of the Vikings have a problem with that. They don't want to kneel... Uh, to to a, one king, they they like the way they have it set up now. Basically, they are ousted to England if they want to continue to war, and uh, and conquer. So the Ivor and his his buddies, they're all heading to England. I'm in like the countrysides of England now, sacking castles, uh, uh, killing knights, 
uh, burning churches, burning Catholic churches down, which is kind of like, hey, all right. <laughs> if, if you want a game where you slaughter priests and, and burn churches down, may I suggest to you Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the Ubisoft stamp of approval. Um, the game's fine. It's it's uh, There's a lot less topography in England compared to Norway, where there's a lot of mountains and stuff to climb. Uh, so you make better use of your boats going through the channels and, and uh, horses. And uh, I'm assuming I'm going to start getting like more cruciform swords and like medieval-y looking... Uh, stuff from England versus all the axes and the bows and the Viking stuff I've been getting. Uh, but as you make your way through the skill tree, it becomes very apparent. Like you just kind of fall into a rhythm of like, uh, I got the predator bow now with these arrows I can guide into people's ears. And like, uh, it's, you just become a whirling dervish of death in this game. It's a, kind of a power fantasy. You're a Viking. Go, uh, go get some gold, go build up your camp. Uh, all these different systems, all these different fucking currencies and stuff you have to keep track of. It's what I thought it was going to be, and it's fine, and it's a lot of fun. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Reed, that's all I've been playing. Right on. Uh, Fallout Three. I'm playing a uh, like a like a bad karma run, uh, which I don't often do in that game, including like blowing up Megaton and all that fun stuff. I've also have a head yeah. thing where I'm just purposely killing every ghoul I come across, even if they are in a town and it will get me in trouble with the town. Um, it's uh, let me tell you something about Fallout Three. Very nostalgic world. It's crazy how empty it is compared to, of course, New Vegas and Fall 4 and 76. But uh, it, there's something about it, man. It's just like how I can go back and play Oblivion sometimes. Uh, the nostalgia will pull me through. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, I don't I don't very much care for Fallout 3 personally, so I can't comment. Yeah, fuck it. Um, it's the worst. Worst Fallout. Uh, man, I was such a huge fan of Oblivion. Uh, on 360, that when Fallout 3 was coming out, just imagine the hype level of the things Fallout 3 brought to the table at that time, though. And then, you know. Yeah, give me I, a break. Get it, I get give it. Me a break. What do you, you fucking, what do you fucking want from me? Neither of us have played Pokemon Unite yet, which is, uh, we, we should probably check that game out at some point. Uh, just become. No, well, I refuse. You, you refuse on it the sounds like shit on the basis of MOBA. That's 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 a fucking. Yeah, I don't want to play it at all. No so. deal. Hey, at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. LeahTitsTheIceberg.com is my email address. Send us questions, topics. If it's interesting, we'll feature it on the show. Like we said, go check out the Metal Gear Solid series complete podcast. It is four and a half hours, which I believe is our longest. <laughs> Somehow, of course, uh, just like a Metal Gear Solid 4 cutscene, uh, basically. You can yep. parse it out. Uh, so check that out. We'll, uh, we're done with Mass Effect. We will have the complete episode of Mass Effect coming out uh, closer to the end of whatever our next featured game is. Just to let them breathe, you know? Let those conversations... Uh, a little time pass. So that's going to be it for the podcast this week. Man, the wrestling world is uh, topsy-turvy right now, so maybe it's time for a little Sultans of Slam action this upcoming week. Look for that. Reed, thank you for joining me and for your thoughts on Mass Effect. It was uh, interesting for me to hear that shit 10 years after having played it and just as you were talking about it, just having these vivid, vivid images of that game pop back up in my head and remembering my choices and, and, and stuff like that. So... <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. The only other thing I had to add to that is the the moment when you're fighting the Reaper on uh, the Corian homeland planet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because Tally was my remote like romantic in interest or whatever. Uh, you're like diving out of the Mako to go fight the Reaper on foot. Cool in the in the in the context of of Mass Effect three and it just being a huge blockbuster moment. But uh, Tally says, uh, "I love you," and then Shepard responds, "I love you" in the Corian language, which is. 
you know, right oh, up there nice. with that stuff. And then he goes out and the, you're immediately fighting a Reaper on foot. Uh, it was pretty... I remember being like, wow, how cheesy. But also, you got me, Bioware. Yeah, it works. It works. Yeah, it, it, you know what? Absolutely. Uh, anyways, thank you for signing up as always. We'll talk to you again next week.